Good to see everyone. Everyone was able to be here. Um, Thank you. Okay, so we're uh, we're here in Parshas Noach. We're still here in Parshas Noach, and we're in what's called Perek Vav Pasuk Yugimel. Vayomer Lekim LeNoach Kates Kol Bosor Bolafonai. Noach Hashem said to Noach, Kates Kol Bosor Bolafonai. The end of all flesh has come before me. Because the land is filled with chamas, with theft from before them. Behold, I'm going to destroy them along with the earth, along with the land. This is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's reacting reaction to what's being seen, his declaration of the end of all flesh. If you recall last week when we learned, we talked about the fact that Kate's is a term which is loaded with meaning. Yishlach lekeitz hayom We want that at the end of days, Hakadosh Baruch Hu will send us His Moshiach. Keitz kol bosar bolafonai could mean a very positive thing, except here, of course, it doesn't mean a positive thing. We went through. We learned the sugya. We learned it. We spoke about keitz hayomim vahila keitz hayomim with regard to Kayin, and we speak about it again here. Kates Kolbosar Bolafonai, that this was not the Kates Hayomin, which was a which is a positive thing, but Kates Hayomim. It was the end of days. This was going to be a point of destruction. Now it could have been otherwise. And again, that's the meaning which we ascribe to all of this. That in the time of Noyach it was a period when it could have been, as Chazal teach us, the time of the giving of the Torah, that the waters which descended down to this earth that flooded the world with destruction, on the one hand, could have been the waters of the greatest blessing, the Mayim El Torah, the waters of Torah, which would come to fill the world with the greatest of blessing. But that's not what happened. That's not what happened. We're going to learn in the next Pasuk, Make for yourself a teva, a box of goifer wood, and coat it inside and out with pitch, Right, so what is Rashi going to say in that pasuk? I'm just giving it to you as a headline, and you'll of course understand even better why. Right, what what does he compare it to? He says it was different than what happened with Moshe Rabbeinu in the time of Moshe. Moshe was also put in a teva. He was also put in a teva's gome. Right, that's what it's called. It's called a teva, the little basket of Moshe Rabbeinu, that charming little basket bobbing nicely on the waters of the of the river is the same term is used as the teva of Noach, which wasn't bobbing nicely. It was a, a bulwark against the horrible stormy waters. And Rashi compares, was it coated on the inside? Was it coated on the outside? But it was, uh, it was a, uh, there's a comparison. Noach and Moshe Rabbeinu. The parallels are there. In Noach it was destruction. In Moshe Rabbeinu it was salvation. It was what brought the waters of the Torah to the world. And we always see this as that fork in the road. And so today we're going to learn part of this sugya, very important part of this sugya of the mabul, of the destruction that's brought upon us in the mabul. And when we're going to do it, we're going to do it like we always would. We have to see the challenge, we have to see the problem. And therefore, we also have to see the flip side, which is the opportunity. If this is the situation which wreaked the havoc of destruction upon the world, so then, hey, maybe if we want to figure out what would bring the salvation, what would bring Matan Torah, 
So then we would look for the very opposite of these elements becoming present within the world. That's going to be a part of the, that's going to be part of the key here. So that's the question which, uh, which we're going to deal with in, an, in a secondary way. And how appropriate is it for us to do so today, be'echad l'chaydesh hashlishi, right? When we're on Rosh Chaydesh Sivan, we're, you know, later this week is the day of Matan Torah, when those other waters, those positive waters in Yerz Hashem, we commemorate their coming down to the world. But let's get now back to Nayach. Let's get back, unfortunately, to the problem, to the difficulty, and see what we, what we have here and, uh, and how it can guide us along in our understanding of this sugya. Okay, so again, those who do not yet have it, if you wish, we, uh, we went all the way today and we got you a source sheet which you can get emailed to you from Stanley. All you have to do is shoot an email to stanley.fishkind at Verizon. Is that what it is? I don't know. Yes. Stanley.fishkind, F-I-S-H-K-I-N-D at Verizon.net. Operators are standing by. Okay, so... Um, so so we have here this the, the, the Pasuk that we just read, and we have two Rashis. We have two Rashis. One Rashi is a Rashi which we mentioned last week. Wherever you find immorality and idol worship, Andrulamusya, Andrulamusya is like a plague, comes to the world and kills indiscriminately, indiscriminately the good and the bad. We mentioned last week that you'll notice, and you'll notice here in the commentary that we're going to learn shortly, that Rashi puts in a word, right? Rashi's coming from a medrash. The medrash just says, wherever you find immorality, this happens. He does, doesn't have the idol worship. It's all about the immorality. And we'll see in a moment a little bit more of a commentary on that. The, 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 um, but then says Rashi, then Rashi writes a very famous thing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, the end of all flesh comes before me. Ki because the earth is filled with theft, writes Rashi, Their fate was sealed on account of theft. Even though Rashi just wrote that wherever you find Zenus, a plague can come and kill indiscriminately, and that would seem to be the flood. But he says the decision was made because of theft. So we have to understand how he switches from, on the one hand, speaking about the problem being a problem of znus, of immorality, and the other, on the other hand, it being a problem of theft, the theft that triggers it. How do you put the two of these together? So let's learn a little shtickle, a small piece from the Gurarye, from the Maral of Prague, on his commentary on this Rashi. Rashi just finished saying that the reason why the Andrulamusya, why the difficulty befell the world with such strength and so indiscriminately was because of Zenus. And now Rashi turns around and says that their fate was sealed because of theft. So what's going on? Which one, was, which one is it? 
Hacha Perushai. Bishvilaz Nusu Hayrek Taivim Viroim. The Znus is what makes it indiscriminate. That it kills the good along with the bad. Shein Mafchin Ben Tzadik Larasha. There's no distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Mikol Mokhaim Ein Kang Zardin. Okay. So, Znus, immorality, and the Maral explained this. We, we, we mentioned it a little bit in our previous discussions that the one of the core Yitzrei Hora in the world is, is Erva, and the Yitzhara is the destroying force. The Yitzhara is the Satan and the Malachamavis. It's it's what brings death and destruction. And therefore, it is that which brings this terrible plague of destruction that is indiscriminate. But that doesn't mean that it triggers it. It means it effectuates. It means it makes that's what happens when it happens. What triggers it? Ein it was theft that made the, the fate sealed. What happens after the fate is sealed is influenced by the fact that there was immorality, and that immorality is going to be indiscriminate. That is going to produce, excuse me, a plague that's indiscriminate. But the fact that the plague itself is triggered, it's triggered by theft, says the Maral. And the Maral explains a little bit. He says, because theft is the destruction of this world. Thieves destroy the world. They make it impossible to have commerce. When Hashem makes a decree, is He in a rush to bring the decree? Does He have to implement it? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is valuing the world. He doesn't want to bring destruction. We know that. We know Hashem's hesitation at bringing destruction. I mean, the Mabul was in the works for 120 years, but Hashem didn't do it. It's not sealed to actually trigger the din happening. But when you have the thief who's busy destroying the world, then Hashem says, you're destroying the world, then I can destroy the world as well. Maral is giving a very specific spin on this. We know, we visited this theme before, that the Gazlan destroys the fabric of society. Rashi, we quoted, again, we've gone over this a couple of times, so you'll forgive me the repetition, but it's very important. This is the Pasuk where it is taught. Previously, we talked about it in this place or in that place where it is referenced. This is the Pasuk where it is taught. Rashi, at the end of Parshas Noach, when we speak about the Tower of Bavel, over there, they were building a tower. It was seemed to be built as an act of rebellion against Hashem Yisbarach, right? They were going to try to wage war with Hashem in the heavens, whatever it was. Asks Rashi, I don't get it. What's worse, the Tower of Bavel or the generation of the Mabel? In the Tower of Bavel, they were Pashtu Yadam Be'ikar. They were trying to wage war against HaKadosh Baruch Hu. By the, by the Mabel, we never find such a thing. But yet by the Mabel, Hashem destroys the world. By the Tower of Bavel, he relocates everybody. Not a, not a single shot was fired. 
What's the difference? So Rashi taught Godel Peace is a great thing. The Tower of Babel, the whole world came together in order to do something. In the case of the Dora Mabel, there wasn't peace. There was Hamas, there was theft. They, people were stealing from each other. That makes all the difference. That makes all the difference. Maral is taking that same line of thinking one step further, and he's saying that even though there are other things that are terrible, that when the world is being destroyed, they will color the form of the destruction of the world, the way the destruction is effectuated, that, for example, that it will kill Taivim Viroim, the good and the bad, together at the same time. So, yes, it'll have a tremendous effect, but that doesn't make the Mabel come. That doesn't make the Mabel come. What makes the Mabel come is the theft. The theft is what made the Mabel come and made it why it didn't happen such a thing in the Dar HaFloga. What made the Mabel come was the theft. And Rashi explains, yeah, the Maral is explaining over here, Rashi says it's a lack of peace. The Maral is explaining that the idea is they're destroying the world already. Because without Maso Matan, without give and take between people, then you don't have a world. The world requires a interconnectedness between people, an interconnected economy, in order for things to be able to work. And when there is distrust, when there's theft, when people destroy the ability for relationship, including the give and take of commercial relationship, and it's remember, it's not just commercial relationship, that makes it sound a little bit too, I don't know, it's a little bit too pedestrian. But when people are cheating each other, then they don't share the, the therapy that they found out about. They don't share the, the medicine that they discovered. They don't share the, the quick way to be able to accomplish something. They don't share how to protect, ah, you know, I figured out how to protect people from the heat or from the cold. The world is a very, very interrelated place. It's built to be an interrelated place. If you recall, Chazal said, how many jobs, how many toils, how many kinds of work did Adam Arishan have to do till he could have a piece of bread? And look what happens. I can get bagels delivered. Right? Just call the other Stanley. Right? You get bagels delivered. Right? Somebody else does it. How many Yagiyas did Adam Arishan do in order to be able to have clothing to wear? Right? So he had to be a farmer who would then grind and sift, and winnow, and knead, and bake, and so on and so forth. He wanted something to wear. He had to raise the lambs. He had to shear the lambs. He had to launder the wool. I mean, he had to do all the malachis of Shabbos. He had to do everything in order to be able to have anything. So you know who said this? Ben Zayma said this. When he stood and he looked out at the huge crowds of people who had come on Yontif to Yerushalayim, he stood al gabe malabar abayis, the Gemara says. And he looked at them and he said, wow, this is the most amazing thing in the world. Look at this. All of these people, they're all here to help me. They're all here to help me. Unbelievable. Look at what Hashem created in this world to help me. Now you might say that he is the most egocentric person in the world. He thinks everything HaKadosh Baruch created, they're all just to serve me. The Gemara goes on to say, 
that a grateful person goes to somebody's house for a meal, he sits down to a four-course meal, and he says, wow, look what this person did for me. All of the agiyos, all of the difficulty that they went through, they went through for me. And the ungrateful person goes to the person for a meal and said, hey, you know, he was having a meal anyway. You know, what did he do? He put a little more water in the soup. You know, big deal. They put out another place setting for me. Big deal. Ben Zayma looked at the world and he said, look at this. Everybody's contributing something and that's the way I have everything. It's unbelievable. But you understand that when the world is filled with theft and deceit, like it was in the time of the Mabel, so then that interconnectedness doesn't work. And the world doesn't have a possibility of building upon itself and advancing and, and growing and developing. They're destroying the world. Says the Maral, if the people were destroying the world, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu destroys the world. It may not be that Avedizara destroys the world. It may not be that Znus destroys the world. But theft destroys the fabric of society. It destroys the world. Okay? And this morale brings us back to an idea which we expressed a couple of times and which we saw in the Sforna, who actually extended it to all of the Averis. And that is that Hashem looked at the world, and behold it was... Well, we translate corrupt, but it really means destroyed. It was destroyed before Hashem threw the bomb to destroy the world, before Hashem brought the flood, because it was on such a path of self-destructive behavior. Every aspect was self-destructive. So that's the way the morale is resolving this. Again, the problem we had was that Rashi starts with the, the, the saying that when there's nus. So then the plague comes to the world and destroys everything. But then Rashi says that their fate was only sealed because of theft. That the fate was sealed because of theft. So which one is it? Explains the Maral. They may have deserved the works because of, because of immorality. But that doesn't mean that Hashem will bring it. Hashem only brought it. Hashem only brought it because it's... Um, it's uh, it's they were destroying the world themselves because of the because of the theft, okay. So that's the that's the morale's beginning of an approach here. Phase one. Are there any questions? By the way, I just downloaded the document in Hebrew, and my system gave me an automatic English translation of the whole thing. It's amazing. I just printed it out. I'll okay. send it to you in a few minutes. Okay. So I have it in Hebrew and English. Wow. Okay, great. Amazing. Okay. Or I send you a question by uh, the chat means. Go ahead. Speak Where speak it out. Speak it? it out. Speak it out. I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not Bill Gates. <laughs> Okay, so I said, uh, excuse the question in such a way, but are you hinting that our current situation with interconnected commerce all broken down, that this is a remez of the mob? I'm not hinting to that, but you are saying it. Um, <laughs> I did say it. Okay, so, so uh, look, again, I, I don't even know if it's true. You know, there's the, the, the language of Benzoma was that I wake up in the morning and find it at my door. You and I wake up every morning and we find at our door a pile of boxes from Amazon.com and from, from, from every place else. 
we, we, we're learning an interconnectedness without even seeing each other's faces, unless it's on Zoom. I don't think we could say that the world right now is interconnect is not interconnected. What the world right now is, is that we don't have physical presence with each other, um, but we've learned a different way of connection. So I'm not ready to extrapolate that. Is that okay? Is that fair enough? Now, now, now you can still speak about, and I would very, very strongly, I think that one of the, one of the failed experiments, which is sometimes going on, I shouldn't say failed, that's a little bit too strong. But one of the blind experiments, which we are doing is that we're extrapolating from what we're having now to say, hey, you see, you don't have to get together so much. And I have this business and it has an office and all the people come into the office and they have to schlep, you know, an hour in and an hour home and so on and so forth. And look, here you see, people could just move from their bedroom to their den or to their living room or to wherever it is and get on conference and business as usual. And we could do things, you know, we can do things terrific. Now, it doesn't work for all businesses, but it might work for many. And we have this false sense and people could have schools and they could just be based on computer because, hey, look, the schools are managing by computer. You know, that's a tremendous, excuse me for one second, please, tremendous underestimation of the importance of physical presence. You know, we've had telephones and conference calls and video conferencing for years, and still, until March, airplanes and trains were filled, filled, filled with people who would travel across the country to sit at a table with somebody for two hours for a meeting and then turn around and go home because they realize the difference when you have direct human connection. And right now we're energized by the crisis and we're living off of the fumes, so to speak, of our, our, of our previous physical presence and on the hope of our future physical presence. Bezos Hashem, it should be soon in our time. But you know, it's hard to create relationships like this. It's hard to create bonds like this. You know, schools, I think it's even in the Maryland document of the Department of Education, I think, if I, I read it someplace quickly, that if, heaven forbid, they have to do some uh, continues in September with remote learning, they're going to try to have people have the same teachers they had the year before. Because to try to introduce them to a new teacher on Zoom is much, much harder than to have them continue with the teacher that they already had a, a human relationship with and be able to go further. So this idea of people together, you're right, Jack, in a sense, but it's I'm not ready to exactly call it the flood. I'm going to ask you to hold for one minute. I'll be right back. Okay, we're back. So, um, okay, so let's go on a little bit here. Let's go on and see some more about what we're going to see as the real problem with, uh, with Hamas. Chazal say this, it's accepted. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'm destroying them because the earth is filled with Hamas. The theft seems to be the deal breaker. Why is theft the ultimate deal breaker? Okay. So um, 
and uh, you know, Stanley, maybe Ephraim wants to email the sheet. Ephraim likes using the sheets. Yes. So maybe he'll send you his email address and you'll send him the sheet. The, 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 the Ramban, the Ramban wrote something again, which we also visited before. And we're going to remind ourselves of it because the Ramban says it in two places. He says it here and he said it also at the end of Parshas Bracious, where we were first introduced to this. Explains the Ramban. When Hashem explained to Nayach that the reason of the destruction of the world was because of the theft rather than the immorality, that's because Hamas is the sin which is known, well obvious. And he quotes the Gemara, which is the same Gemara that Rashi is quoting, that that was what sealed their fate. Chamas is an intuitive mitzvah. You don't need a Navi to tell you that you can't steal somebody else's money. And furthermore, it is bad both to God and to man. So you told Nayach the reason that the, the, the chet which brought the end. Why is this worse? Says the Ramban, two things. First and foremost, says the Ramban, because it's logical. You don't need anybody to tell you. You should realize the problem here. You should realize the problem here very readily. And therefore, the fact that you don't, the fact that you don't realize the problem is uh, is your is is part of your failing <clears throat> is the es- essence of the failing what brings about destruction is the failure to recognize the obvious the ramban said the same thing in the end of parsha's bracious and uh, what what did he say there he said on the pasuk which described that the powerful beneho elohim the powerful leaders, the children of the judges, they saw Benoisa Adam, daughters of man, that they were beautiful, and they took women, whatever they wanted. Writes the Ramban, it was the Dayonim, the judges, who were supposed to make sure that there's order in the land. Their children were the ones who were doing the stealing. How amazingly horrible. And he writes, the Siper Akos of Achamas, the Pasuk tells us of the Chamas of the theft, the Amar Oid Mikola Sherbacharu, Lachnis Hanesuis Lacherim, even married women. Avalaiskar Akos of Isra Ben Beferush, Vilainigzar Le Minish Rakala Chamas, Lufishu Indian Muskal and Enutzarach Lataira. You know, you want to talk about people acting immorally in the sense of having relationships with women. Okay, no, but what the Torah focuses on is not the fact that they were immoral in that way. It talks about the fact that they took these women away. They took whatever they wanted. They didn't ask the woman if the woman was married. They didn't ask the husband. They were not recognizing and respecting anybody's rights over that which is theirs, that which is rightfully theirs, their own body, their own marriage, their own relationship. This is theft. This is theft. It's not theft just to steal somebody's, you know, spare tire, right? It's, you know, to, 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 to take someone against their will, to take, to infringe on a relationship with somebody else, with somebody else, just elbowing in on it. That's theft. And says the Ramban, again, the same punchline. 
It's an inyan muskal, einenu tzorech l'tayra. It's logical. You don't need the tayra to tell you that it's wrong. So this is a second approach. The first approach, again, we had expressed was the maral. And the maral said that the reason why theft is the finishing touch is because theft is destroying the fabric of the world. When people can't interact with each other, they can't do business with each other. How do you build a house? How do you build a house? You're going to have to make the bricks. You're going to have to be the, make the pipes. You're going to have to be the plumber and the contractor and everything else. How are you going to build that house? You have to have people who you can work with, who you like to work with, who you understand. I'll do this and you'll do that. If you break that down, if you break down the trust of society, finito manguito, you're gone, you're finished. There's nothing left. That's the morale. The Ramban says that you know people can make mistakes. It's not terrible if somebody makes a mistake, if they forgot something that somebody told them. You know, I told you, you have to put in two tablespoons. Why did you put in two teaspoons? I'm sorry, I forgot. I got mixed up, you know. Okay, so maybe you're a little bit of a shlamazel. But it's not a crime to be a shlamazel. But if a person ignores something which is self-evident, which you should have figured out for yourself, that's a much worse thing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes us to task for that. And that's why theft, come on, everybody knows that it's terrible. The other stuff, somebody had to tell you, you had to be reminded. But something which you would know yourself is a whole different story. Some of you may recall, and I'm only going to touch upon this briefly, some of you may recall that we used this idea of the Ramban to explain something very interesting. And that is, let's just say part of it, and that is that there's a contradiction to what Rashi said that we quoted earlier. Rashi says, Hashem only destroyed the world because there was a lack of Sholem in the days of the Mabul. But in the days of the Daraf Loga, they were waging war Hashem. Hashem didn't destroy the world. What's the problem? The problem is that Chazal tell us that there was a Mabul in the days of Enosh. Enosh invented Avedazara. Enosh, the grandson of Adam Arishon, invented Avedazara. And a Mabel came and washed away a third of the world. Maybe more. Minimum in Chazal is a third of the world. Hey, one second. It was only Avedazara. It, it doesn't say anything about a lack of Shalom. However, you understand that when you're the grandson of Adam Arishon, Belief in Hashem is also intuitive. Adam was created by Hashem. He was spoken to by Hashem. He lived in the Garden of Eden where Hashem walked. The invention of Avodah Zorah in the context of knowledge of Hashem is also counter-muskal. You don't have to be told. It's only later, afterwards, in the New World, that Hashem is, is, has to be discovered like he was by Avram Avinu. So then, okay, so if you don't know about Hashem, okay, big deal. Not as bad. But originally it was terrible. And that's why for us, who were shown Hashem at Mitzrayim and at Harsinai, 
That's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu begins to take us to task. We should know this. This isn't just something we were told. This is something which should be already intuitive for us. Okay, but again, we, we, we dealt on it, dealt with it at greater length at other times. We'll leave it for now. I want to share with you a little bit here from the Abarbanel. Now the Abarbanel says something here, which is reminiscent of the Maral, and reminiscent in a sense of something that the Ramban put aside there as well. The Ramban said when it came to Gezel, it was Rala Shamayim Vilabrios. It wasn't just bad, bad to, to, to God, it was bad to man. So listen to what the Abarbanel says. The destruction of the world will come for their interpersonal failures, not for their failures towards God. If their sins were only against God, he would have been more patient. But because the world was filled with theft in what they did, that's why their end comes and their punishment comes. They don't deserve to be people who live in communities. And to live in the land, since they don't have mishpat v'yosher, they don't have justice and uprightness. So the Abarbanel sounds like the Maral a little bit. Which is that, you know, they've destroyed the world because they've destroyed, they've destroyed society. In a certain sense, there's an echo here, however, of something else. And that is, that given that this is a sin between man and man, so it's something which has to be taken care of down here. Sins between man and God could wait for when we get before God. Sins between man and man that destroy the world down here, the consequences have to be felt down here. Also, an interesting and important perspective. But finally, here, I want us to move to a different concept, a very important theological concept. I don't remember when, but I'm almost certain that I've discussed this concept with you before in this shear. But I don't remember when. What makes theft trigger punishment? You see, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sits up there in heavens, in the heavens. And the world goes on and we do things. Every moment, you and I, we all do things. We do things right, we do things wrong. Does HaKadosh Baruch Hu act immediately in response to what we do? No. Does HaKadosh Baruch Hu note immediately what we do? Absolutely. Does HaKadosh Baruch Hu even decide immediately what should be the result of what it is that we're doing? Well, you know, there's Rosh Hashanah, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu maybe makes decisions. 
There's an opinion in the Gemara, if I'm not mistaken, Rav Yaisi, who said, Adam Nidain Bechol Yaim, a person is judged every day. Judged, decided. There's such a thing as something which calls HaKadosh Baruch Hu to action. We all know that even when Hashem makes a din and a person decides tzaddik or rasha, HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides on Rosh Hashanah, does Hashem decide on Rosh Hashanah, okay, this is what the person did, I looked at their actions, I looked at their positives, I looked at their negatives, and I decide, look, it's much more, heaven forbid, heaven forbid, much more negative than positive, and therefore, kaboom? We all know that it's not necessarily kaboom. So there's something else which triggers HaKadosh Baruch Hu's reaction, and that is HaKadosh Baruch Hu has something called the complaint department. The complaint department. It's not a little box next to the entrance with a slot. It's not even at the bottom of Hashem's website, contact us. It's every time a person turns and cries out and says, Rabbeinu Shalaylam. That's Hashem's complaint department. And there's an interesting thing about Hashem's complaint department. There's actually, it's actually staffed. You know, I always think about those boxes with the comments that at the bottom there's like a heating element. <laughs> you know, as soon as you drop the piece of paper in, zhush, you know, there it goes. Right? But with the Rabbana Shalalam, it's staffed. And in fact, it's staffed by the Rabbana Shalalam. I want to read to you a short piece, not so short, I shouldn't say, but short, somewhat short piece from Rabbeinu Yonah in the Sharei Tshuva. Rabbeinu Yonah was, Rabbeinu Yonah HaChassid was an incredibly, incredibly pious person. The Ramban wrote about him with the greatest, greatest awe and reverence and love. Rabbeinu Yonah wrote a sefer called Sharei Tshuva, The Gates of Repentance. It's the classic work on Tshuva. You know, besides the Ramam's laws of tshuva, you have Rabbeinu Yenah Shari Tshuva. The first section of the gate, the first gate of the of the Shari Tshuva is about the twenty components of tshuva Rabbeinu Yenah writes about. In the next ones, he speaks about other things, and in the in in the in the third shar, he actually does sort of like a survey of the mitzvahs of of the Torah, and he lists a category called lavanita klase. Lavanita klase means a prohibition that then moves into a positive commandment. And the classic example of that is, uh, one example is, don't take the mother bird away from the children, but rather, don't take the eggs, um, don't take the, the, the eggs with the mother, but rather, send away the mother and take the eggs. So, the los say the assay. Another example of that is gezel, theft. Now, what the Rabbeinu Yen is saying this for is because he's saying, really, lavanita klase is more lenient than other prohibitions. You don't give malchus. Normally, there's lashes for a person who transgresses a prohibition. But if the prohibition has an active, positive, compensatory action, like don't do this, but rather do that, Right? Then we say there's no punishment, there's no lashes. 
If a person steals, they did a loisase, but they have a mitzvah say now, return what they stole. That mitzvah say mitigates that they don't get lashes for the Avera. Don't get lashes, go give it back. That's the way it works. So you would think, says Rabbeinu Yonah, that that means that this prohibition isn't so bad because it doesn't get lashes. Says the, the, the Rabbeinu Yonah, even though they didn't get lashes at the hands of the court, there are amongst these Averes, those whose punishments are very severe, all the way reaching to the heavens. Like theft. It says don't steal. It says you should return the theft. But when it comes to the Mabul, why did the Mabul happen? Because of theft because of that mitigated Avera. He says, even though they were also involved in immorality, and the punishment for immorality, the way we're used to think about it, is much worse. There's immorality which has a death penalty at the hands of Bezdin, that has kores, that they died at the hands of heaven, Gezel has neither of those things. It doesn't even have Malchus, for goodness sake. But nevertheless, the punishment of the Daramabal was not triggered by immorality, it was triggered, triggered by Gezel. Why? Because the Mida, the measure of Gezel, is to make the punishment come quicker. And he brings another medrash, which says, If a person has a big basket filled with Averis, there's none which is antagonistic as theft. Right, he brings elaborately from Chatzal that it's the cheating and the trickery that brings about the person's demise. Hashem will fight their battles. Hashem will bring difficulty upon those who, 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 who implement it. And the Rabbein Yen explains Hashem will fight for them because they have nobody to rely on. They have no one who will When it came to Hashem, the cry of the poor, Hashem won't take money, Hashem will take the person's life. And one who does this to the widowed and the orphaned? Any kind of anguish. The Dayanim who have in their hands the ability to save the victim from the one who's trying to harm them, and they don't take advantage to bring justice on behalf of the orphan? Heaven forbid, they also have a death penalty. The Maral, the Maral, the Rabbeinu Yoyin is going on with the following concept, and that is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu hears the cries 
of the people who have been victimized. And if there's no response, then Hashem has to step forward, and Hashem does step forward, and He's the one who provides the response. And that's what triggers the din. A person can do Averis, and in a certain sense, these are great Averis, lesser Averis, bigger punishments, lesser punishments. But who's complaining? Who needs Hashem to defend them? The Ramban writes, in Chum, elsewhere in Chumash, not here, the Ramban writes that one of the most important reasons why we remember Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is because Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim teaches us that when someone cries out, HaKadosh Baruch Hu steps in, because that's what happened in Mitzrayim. We cried out to Hashem, and Hashem heard our voice, and He steps in. And people think that you know I'm going to take advantage of. Nobody tries to steal from the mayor, not even gift cards. Right? Nobody tries to steal from the powerful. Nobody tries to take advantage, to take the parking space of the person who's you know, powerful and well-connected. They find the people who are, so to speak, defenseless, who have no friends in high places, no powerful allies, and they say, hey, you know, I'll take care of them. Right? The widow doesn't have a husband who's going to come, you know, tomorrow with his sleeves rolled up to, you know, to, 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 to give it to the storekeeper. So the storekeeper will take advantage of the widow. The orphan, right? Who's going who's gonna to complain to the, to, the, to the principal? You know, whatever, you know, we could take, you got to worry about the big donors, you know? You got to worry about the people who will, who will you know, the, the, the high-placed, powerful people. Those are the ones you have to worry about. The rest... HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I want you to remember from Mitzrayim. Those other people, you're right, they have people to defend them. So they'll, those people will defend them. Maybe you'll even be able to fend them off. I'm the one who defends the Yisayimim, the widowed, the orphaned. I'm the one who defends them. Like I defended the Jewish people in Mitzrayim. You're going to have to contend with me. That's Hashem's pledge to the world is that you cry out to Hashem, and Hashem listens. Says Rabbeinu Yaina, the reason why was because people turned to Hashem, and they said, Hashem, help us. We're being taken advantage of. They couldn't turn to each other. So it caused Hashem to bring din. It's a Rashi. I should have included it on the sheet. I just didn't have time. It says later in the Torah, right? Don't be oshek. Don't deprive the wager or the wage earner of his wages because he'll cry out to me, and I will listen because I'm gracious. If someone turns to Hashem, Hashem responds. Rashi says. What do you mean they cry out to me? You did something wrong, it should say it's punishable. It says, of course it's punishable. But what will trigger the punishment and make it happen more immediately, more quickly, is the fact that the person cried out to me. Now the good news is, by the way, I have really good news, guys. Don't get so depressed. I have really good news. The good news is that it works the other way too. V'shachav v'samlosa he will lie in his garment and he'll bless you, right? The person borrowed from someone $100 and he has to give him collateral. So he gives him his, his sheepskin sleeping bag for collateral. And then 
one evening, it's a little chilly. And at seven o'clock in the evening, he has a knock on the door. Who is it? It's the guy who he owes $100 to. And he's here with the sheepskin sleeping bag. He says, tell me something. You know, it's Monday. Could you give me your Shabbos candlesticks? You don't need your Shabbos candlesticks for the next six days. They'll secure my loan fine. Tonight, you need the sleeping bag. So what does it say? He'll, he'll lie in his snuggly simla, uveirachecha, and he'll bless you. He'll say, Rabbeinu Shalalem. What a wonderful guy. You should give him every bracha in the world. And that works too. You know, he did a nice thing. Hashem should give him bracha. But when somebody comes to Hashem and says, that's the guy you should bless, Hashem gives it to him. The next source on your sheet is the very same idea, which is expressed beautifully by the Briskarov, who connects it to the Mabel, to what we just said, exactly what we said, but he says it in a different context. Beautiful, magnificent. And that is the destruction of Sodom. Why was Sodom destroyed? You know what it says there? Hashem says, er er, I want to go down and see. I want to know if the screams, the cries that I'm hearing about Sodom are real. If they're accurate, then I'll destroy them. If not, then I'll figure out something else. What does that mean? I want to see if the cries that are calling me to action against Sodom are accurate, then I have to act. I have to act because people are complaining. That calls the Rabbi Nishlam to action. So it could be, and by the way, let me just add a beautiful thing to that, which is that that's why, remember the same Malachim that went to Sodom, where did they go first? They went to Avram. What did they do? They went to Avram. They went to Avram, and Avram Avinu chased them down, brought them into the house, promised them a little, gave them a ton. When they finished, what did they say? So, I would like, I always like to say this, and I think it's very, very chosho, very accurate. These people came. Were they malachim? Yes. Did they know that they were malachim? Well, Sarah didn't know that they were malachim. That's why she laughed. If she knew that they were malachim, she wouldn't have laughed at what they said. So what were they saying? So we understand they, these were like these robots or these angels. And they said, in one year, you're going to have a child. We're here to deliver to you the prediction that you're going to have a child in one year. Congratulations. Nevoah. Prophecy. Here you go. You're having it. But... Sora didn't think that they were malachim. She thought that they were just guests. What were the guests saying? They were saying the following. We were so hot. We were so hungry. We were so lonely. And you reached out. You brought us into your house. You fed us. You bathed us. You gave us a place to stay. You gave us shade. You know... HaKadosh Baruch Hu Yitain Lecha Kol HaBrachot. Hashem should give you every blessing in the world. He was like a Teimani Meshulach. 
right? Gave every bracha, Hashem should give you this and that and the other thing and all the wonderful blessings. You should have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren all in one year. Not a prediction. A hope. When somebody takes care of you, what do you feel back? I wish this person had everything. So from Sodom, Hashem got cries, complaints. From Avram Avinu's tent, what came? We're saying, hey, give this man what he wants. Give his wife what she needs. Look what they do. They take care of everybody. And that's what got HaKadosh Baruch Hu to bring it a year later. We play a role with each other. So that's, the, that's what we have here. Again, the world is destroyed because of Hamas. Maral said, Abarbanel said, <clears throat> the world gets destroyed because of Hamas. Why? Because when interpersonal relationships, when trust disintegrates, where's your world? You can't build a world without trust. The whole thing falls apart. And uh, the, 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 the Ramban said, come on, this is so obvious. You're doing something which intuitively you should know you shouldn't be, that you shouldn't be doing. That's enough of a reason to condemn them. So obvious. The Maral says, I'm sorry, the, the, the uh, Rabbeinu Yaina says that this brought people against each other and turned to HaKadosh Baruch Hu to do negative to, to harm, to destroy. So we started the shir today and we said that, like we said last week, Kates kolbasar bolafanai, the end of all flesh, Kates is the most wonderful thing. Yishlach l'kates hayamim mashicheinu. Mashiach is the Kates. So here, however, Kates is ominous and negative. Ouch. What's the, what's the, what's the idea? So the, um, the idea was, as we said, that really this was an opportunity. Noach in his teva could have been Moshe Rabbeinu in his teva, right? Noach could have been bringing not the waters of destruction, but the waters of Torah. This could have been the end. It could have been the very happy ending. So let's look at it now and let's look at the opposite. Here you have a society which broke apart, people complaining about each other, stealing from each other, no trust, no good interpersonal relationships, people wanting to visit upon each other terrible things, people ignoring the obvious. What's the alternative to that? What's the alternative to that? So here's, here's one thing. When people do that which is intuitive, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu expands their intuition. He expands their knowledge. You know what Taira is? Taira is where Hashem reveals to you truths that you couldn't figure out for yourself. If a person lives and ignores the truths that are obvious to them, HaKadosh Baruch is not even going to bother going the next step and revealing new truths to them. Ro sheva mitzvahs. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Chazal say, Ro vayater goyim. Hashem saw the seven mitzvahs that he had given to Bnei Nayach, which are, come on, duh. You know, don't kill. 
Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Hashem saw, they didn't pay any attention to them. He says, I'm going to give them the Torah? To the people who live by the principles that they understand, I'm going to give them the gift of expanding their understanding. And then they're going to have more and greater and deeper principles in their lives that they can live by and they can fulfill. But more. What was the preparation for, for, for Matan Torah? It was right? Everybody knows it. It's like trite. And the Jewish people encamped there like one unit around Harsinai. Like one man with one heart. What's that the opposite of? That's the opposite of the Mabel. Like one man with one heart. You know, the Yerushalmi says that the prohibition of not taking revenge is because when the right foot stubs its toe, right, the left foot doesn't stamp on the right foot and get upset at it. We're one. You don't take revenge against somebody else. We're one. We're one. You brought harm? Okay, but we're one. The very opposite of the Dara Mabel, where people created a society of distrust where there was no unity whatsoever. No sense of being together whatsoever. People would complain about each other in the time of the, uh, of the Mabel. Matan Torah was a time where people would advocate for each other, would, would be the ones to make HaKadosh Baruch Hu's intervention unnecessary. Who gave us the Torah? Maishu Rabbeinu. What was the story with Maishu Rabbeinu? Maishu Rabbeinu came out of the palace and he saw a Jew being hurt. And what did he do? He stepped forward to help him. He got chased away from... The next day he comes and he sees two Jews fighting and he steps in to stop, to help. He gets chased away, he goes to Midian and he sees the daughters of Yisro and they get chased away from the well and he steps in to help them. That's how you get the Torah. Where you take the role of the Rabbani Shalom responding to the cries of people instead of stimulating the cries of people. Instead of taking advantage which is what was happening in the time of the Mabel, that the powerful, the Shaiftim, were taking advantage, using their power against others, you have Moshe Rabbeinu using his power on behalf of others. It's really the mirror image of the story. And these are the principles that we have to learn. These are the principles that we have to learn. In order to be makabal the Torah, in order to accept the Torah, in order to turn the waters into the waters of life. Trust. Standing up for each other. Doing what makes sense. Living by the principles that are your reality. You know? I've shared with some of you before. The Ritva says in the Sefer Zikaran, Maishra Abeinu, Hashem says to him, you didn't believe in me to sanctify me before the eyes of the people by the waters of strife. What do you mean you didn't believe in me? Of course you believed in me. Who hits a rock to bring out water if you don't believe in Hashem? Says the Ritva, 
but you got so angry. You don't really believe what you say about me, that I'm kind and compassionate. If you would have believed that I'd be so kind and compassionate, that would have been you. You would have integrated that into yourself. You live by principles. The reason why I teach you Torah is because I'm giving you the principles. You're going to live by the principles. That's what this opportunity is. That's the flip side of the Mabel. Everyone should have a great, great Kabbalah Satira to, 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 to be consistent, to be together, trustworthy, and therefore living in a society where trust can exist, where we can trust each other and build a society together, where we stand up for each other and use our power to help each other instead of, heaven forbid, heaven forbid, the very opposite. That what brings Kabbalah's Hatayra instead of, instead of bringing the flood. That's the story. I hope everybody has a great day. Great week. And uh, you too. Good week. There'll be a sheer. There'll be a sheer probably before Shavuos, but uh, don't have a time for it yet. Okay. Cultus. Be well. All the best. Bye bye. Thank you.